you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Row campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. If I learned two things in elementary school, uh, they both happened in D.A.R.E. Uh, I learned uh, that the children are the future. That was our theme song. Whitney Houston sang it as we learned about the dangers of drugs. And then I also learned about stranger danger. This great little catchy phrase that tells us to fear the person we don't know because they're going to kidnap you and throw you into their van. If you see a stranger coming after you, run screaming. This uh, wisdom stuck with me throughout most of my life until I entered a community college and began to get my degree in criminal justice and learned that that's probably actually just terrible advice. That uh, most of the danger in our life happens uh, because of people we know. Uh, if a kid is kidnapped, our, our first, our first uh, line of questioning isn't to strangers, it's to parents. If a a woman is found dead, we don't go looking for strangers first. Our first instinct is to go to her spouse. If we uh, are looking for abuse, we look to people that we know, that that person knows. We know that uh, in sexual assault, a great majority of them happen uh, through uh, date rape and friends and family. We make a huge deal out of stranger danger. uh, But we don't talk about the danger of those who are supposed to protect us. We make uh, anybody we don't know out to be a threat. And I think this, maybe more than anything, has permeated our culture to its core. If you are different than me, if you are unknown to me, you are a risk to me. The more different you are and the more unknown to me you are, the more of a risk you are. This perpetuates our problems with race, with gender issues, with sexuality. That anyone who is different is a danger. And the more different they are, the more danger they are. We've let this permeate the church. Uh, the, the saying, and I don't remember who it's attributed to, is that 11 o'clock on Sunday is the most segregated hour of the week. We are great at potlucks, but we struggled to go to a stranger. We've redefined hospitality even as a spiritual gift. We've begun to equate hospitality with Inviting your Sunday school class into your home. Sharing a night of board games and casseroles, which are wonderful things. I love playing Settlers of Catan with the best of them. I love a good spinach salad shared amongst friends. But we've made that to be the spiritual gift of hospitality. To welcome those who we know, who are probably like us, who are familiar and safe. 
Today's text is a text on hospitality, but I think it's a a subversive, scary, dangerous text if we actually dive into it. It comes on the heels of last week's passage where Jesus has sent the folks out on mission and told them that as you go, you're going to find mother and child combating. Siblings are going to be fighting against one another. There's going to be this fracturing amongst those who are supposed to love and care for one another. That because... uh, a large number of these uh, folks have rejected God, that God is now going to be the stumbling block, the fracturing point between families. So go, knowing that you're liable to be brought up on charges, you're probably, you are going to be executed, it says, and your family is going to rip apart. This is the context for the passage Sarah read to us. The last words before are, go, for those who lose their life will find it, and those who lose their lives because of me will find them. And then we read, those of you who receive, uh, those who receive you are also receiving me. And those who receive me are also receiving the one who sent me. Those who receive a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Those who receive a righteous person as a righteous person will also receive a righteous person's reward. I assure you that everybody who gives even a cup of cold water to these little ones because they are my disciples will certainly be rewarded. In the previous verses, Jesus has suggested that families are going to fracture, that you're going to be rejected by your own family. And now the question is, will you be welcomed by the stranger? Because we've, we've seen ourselves so far as the ones being sent out in mission, right? We've talked about how this is the way of living out Jesus' ministry of liberation, this call to set the prisoner free, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the year of the Lord's favor was at hand, that we were going to uh, be sent out together as the church to the people who, who's, uh, who God's heart breaks for, living within our giftings in order to announce that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And that while we did this, it was not going to be easy. That there would be rejection. There would be hardships. And that even at the level of our family, there would be fracturing. And so as a people sent out, we have to ask who will receive us. But this is one of those funny texts that asks us to also put ourselves in the place of those who are doing the receiving. If a stranger comes to us, will we welcome them? Would we give them something as simple as a cup of water? Or will we reject them? Hospitality is not simply board games and casseroles. I've been uh, spending some time this week looking through some of the famous hospitality scriptures and thinking about what they uh, uh, might uh, tell us that might help us understand this passage even more. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus has gone uh, to this banquet uh, and begins to tell them uh, this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you Uh, could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give up your seat from this other person. 
embarrassed, you'll take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored uh, in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and all who make themselves low will be lifted up. Then Jesus said to the person who invited him, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and your sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you in return and that will be their reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame and blind and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Jesus deals with the reality of uh, banquets among friends and who gets the seat of honor and how there's this, uh, this pattern of if you throw a party and invite me, now I gotta throw in a party and invite you. And we know how this is, right? If, you, if somebody invites you over to your house for board games and casseroles, you feel like you gotta invite them over for board games and casseroles or whatever your version of uh, a night amongst friends is. So Jesus says, okay, if, if you're doing this, here's how you handle it. But here's the bigger picture, host. Why are you inviting your friends Invite those who can't have a banquet. Invite those that have been pushed to the, the, the sides of society and rejected and welcome them in. You're not gonna receive any kind of reward here and now. They can't pay you a bit. They can't throw you another parting. Your reward will be later. Just as he sent the disciples out with uh, no money bag, no coat, no staff, and no food. Uh, they were not able to repay the stranger. Hebrews 13 says, don't neglect to open up your homes to guests because by doing this, some have been host to angels without knowing it. Remember prisoners as if you were in prison with them and people who are mistreated as if you were in their place. Hospitality to the author of Hebrews is uh, opening up your home to those who bear the image of God that you actually might be welcoming God. I think we could actually say that you are welcoming God as the spirit of Christ dwells amongst us. Opening your home is opening it up to God. And the author doesn't go on with uh, remember your friends and remember your loved ones. It's remember the prisoners and the mistreated Exodus 22, don't mistreat or oppress an immigrant because you were once immigrants in the land of Egypt. Don't treat any widow or orphan badly. If you treat them badly, they cry out to me and you can be sure that I'll hear their cry. I'll be furious and I'll kill you with the sword. Hospitality at a national level is more than uh, we think it is. When an immigrant lives in your land with you, you must not cheat them. Any immigrant who lives among you must be treated as if they were one of your citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were immigrants in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. For most of Israel, an immigrant was stranger danger. But God says to them, you were a foreigner in the land of Egypt and I brought you out and delivered you. How can you do any less for those amongst you? In today's text, the, the standard is a cup of cold water 
It's not the finest oil poured upon their heads. It's not their feet being washed. It's not uh, the place of honor at the table. It's simply dignity. In Luke 16, we read, There was a rich man clothed himself in purple and fine linen who, gave, who feasted luxuriously every day. At his gate lay a certain poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Lazarus longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Instead, dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. While being tormented in the place of dead, he looked up and saw Abraham at a distance with Lazarus at his side. He shouted, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am suffering in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your lifetime, you received good things, whereas Lazarus received terrible things. Now Lazarus is being comforted, and you are in great pain. It's not hard to imagine this scenario, is it? This rich man, clothed in the best clothes, feasting on the finest meals, with someone right outside the door, starving, suffering with skin condition. It's all too real, even here in Lexington. One night we were having our discipleship intensive meeting in my office here and somebody knocked on our window uh, it's dark outside. We were admittedly startled, uh, and we, we let this gentleman in. Uh, he had a massive infection on his leg. It was bandaged up. He had clearly uh, been out walking, trying to find a place that would welcome him. And uh, our first instinct is fear. There's this stranger who is clearly not well, Uh, Brad Rudolph uh, ended up going with me to take this man home to get him back to a place where he could stay. And uh, it has struck me since then how many Lazaruses are in our life. How many folks are right outside even our windows here in the 40509 who are desperate for crumbs, who are wounded and looking to be invited in. Today's text isn't about casseroles and board games. It's about welcoming the stranger who shows up at your door when it's uncomfortable and fearful. It's about greeting the image of God in humanity wherever they show up. Uh, the most classical text on hospitality is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the messengers of God show up to Abraham and he, they tell them that uh, Yahweh is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the unrighteousness there. Abraham bargain, bargains with God. If we can find a hundred righteous people, with you, will you spare it? And God says, sure. If you can find 50 righteous people, will you spare it? Sure. If I can find 10 righteous people, I'll spare it. The messengers of God go to Sodom and Gomorrah. They enter Lot's home and he welcomes them. He offers them food and water, a place of refuge. 
And before you know it, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are banging down the doors with this desire to rape these men who have entered Lot's home. But they see the story unfolding and uh, it's clear that these men are going to be harmed greatly. God intervenes and blinds the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and the messengers and his family are able to escape and God pours out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, This text has become shorthand for a discussion of human sexuality, but this text is not about sexuality at all. This text is about inhospitality, about people being so far from the heart of God they would treat others this way. That the stranger would be this fearful. Christ tells the disciples to go out with no staff, no sword, no garments, no food, and that he will take care of them. Go, knowing that uh, some people are going to bring you up on charges, that you're going to face execution, that your very family is going to reject you. And so go to the stranger and ask them to care for you. We are both ones sent out and the ones called to welcome. We're called to receive those who are different, who are unknown, who might present danger to us. To welcome them in and receive that reward. This is not about board games and casseroles. This is about Black Lives Matter. This is not about uh, a brunch on Saturday morning. This is about those in detention camps at the border. This is not about Uh, sweet, uh, neat dinner parties. It's about welcoming Lazarus, about welcoming an exhausted apostle. It's about offering up the barest amount of dignity, a glass of water to that who is thirsty, the one who is thirsty. I believe we need to reclaim radical hospitality as a spiritual gift within the life of the church. Uh, We need to keep having great parties. We need to keep having great potlucks once we can have these things again. We need to have all kinds of great fellowship, but that's something different. God has called them the, the fellowship of the church a means of grace, but hospitality we need to reclaim as what it is, which is radical welcome of the other. The one who is a stranger, the one who uh, is not known to us, This will tear down the dividing walls of hostility. This will be where we live into the promises of Galatians where there is no more Jew or Greek, no more uh, male nor female, no free nor slave. This is where we begin to actually live into being the people of God created in the image of God. Right now we have to acknowledge the otherness as something that uh, separates us. We need to acknowledge the otherness instead as something that makes us whole. We need to acknowledge the stranger as one sent by God, one on mission 
from on high. One created in God's image who deserves a welcome fit for an apostle. I think the old saying at Andover used to be, Andover is the place where uh, neighbors become friends and friends become family, something like that. Um, It's in the stories I've heard that people showed up and felt welcomed despite knowing nobody, despite being a stranger, they were welcomed. We've got some people who have modeled this so well. Richard and Donna Thompson uh, lead the charge in showing us what it means to uh, boldly greet people in the name of Christ, to welcome them into the life of the church and to make sure they know that they are loved. May we all draw upon that uh, mandate. May we draw upon the true sense of what hospitality is. May our church be a place of welcome and refuge. May it be a place where people hear that the the year of the Lord is at hand. A place where they're so welcome that they experience liberation and freedom. A place where they come in and realize that the prisoner is being set free and the captives are being released. That people are recovering their sight. The world is inhospitable. There's no other way around it. Uh, I would love to think our institutions of, uh, of power would actually help fix that and instead we just keep being pushed more and more apart. Our politicians on both sides of the aisle uh, are doing a great job of making otherness to be our problem. If you don't think like me and act like me and look like me, you're less than me. I'm not seeing really anyone uh, free from indictment on this who is leading us nationally. We need to reclaim our mandate to be a people of radical welcome, a people who uh, welcome the stranger and let them know that they are loved, even if the world says they're not. We need the model for the world what it means when we say that black lives matter. We need to model for the world what it means when we say that the immigrant is welcome. We need to model for the world what it means to love sacrificially. We need to be the church in all that it means. I'm so thankful for another year at Andover. I think God has done and is doing something special amongst the people here. I think you have uh, already been hearing this whisper. I think uh, this church is uh, leading the way amongst so many churches in, uh, in hearing God's cries and understanding what it means to be welcoming, how we might uh, gather in mission and how we might orient our lives together. But we have no challenges ahead of us. Uh, we were talking this morning, who knows when we're going to be back in this space together. And even more, how long until we're going to be back in this space uh, the way we might want to be. We don't get to pause on radical hospitality for two years or a year or six months or three months or however long it is until the church uh, can 
take our next big corporate gathered steps. And so we're gonna have to do a lot of soul searching at individual levels and at small group levels and Sunday school levels and covenant group levels, asking the questions, how do we welcome the stranger in the time of COVID? How do we live as the church in the time of a pandemic? And how do we bear witness to the goodness of our God in the midst of a broken world? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, when sin made us strangers to you, you reconciled us to yourself through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. When sin threatened to put up a wall between us, you conquered sin and death in your resurrection. And when you gave birth to your church, you poured out your spirit on us and united us as one body. How can we do anything other than love well and welcome in others? For any way that our hearts are fearful or resistant, would you melt them and transform them? Would you soften our hearts in ways that we might uh, live into true hospitality? Would you teach us what it means to welcome the stranger in the time of COVID? Would you help us not be reactionary, but instead lead the way Lord, we know that uh, you have been on, uh, your spirit has been upon so many uh, in the community of Andover. And we know that uh, despite uh, the ways in which uh, meetings have changed, you continue to invest in your church. You continue to pour out your grace upon us. Make clear to us the ways that we might be your church in new ways today. Lord, show us what it means to offer a cold glass of water to one created in your image. Show us what it means to welcome in those rejected by even their family. Show us what it means to be your church. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.